On this episode, we shake our rumps and slay dragons as we dive into the infectious band that's forever in the friend zone. It's Suburban, I mean Suburban Legends on Checkered Past, the Scodcast. What up, Checkerheads? Welcome to Checkered Pass, the Scodcast with Selin and Rob. The show where uh, Sebastian the Ska King Crab sings Just the Girl. J- okay, and uh, Ursa Ska mm, sings okay. Music, A Steady Right in My Poor Unfortunate Soul. Explore the history and impact of a different band each episode and hope to bring in new fans along the way. I'm Rob and this is my sister and co-host, Selin. Yeah, that is one of the few ones I feel like I truly understood. And thank you. Yeah, because they did Disney covers. <laughs> And then you did Disney, just the girl, and and made the me very so- happy. And their songs, <laughs> just the girl. La, la, yeah, la, 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 yeah. La. just yeah. The this girl. was it was okay. I do. I actually don't know if I ever have ever heard Suburban Legends before. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, well, You've I think I've seen them <laughs> live with me twice. <laughs> Where? A Dinwoody, so you okay. didn't remember? <laughs> no, no, I was too drunk then. Weren't you at the Resignators, the Utopian Skank last show? No. Oh, then maybe you so didn't. So just the one time okay. too drunk. Oh, yeah. Because they were yeah. second. I think they were. No, they were like second in. They were yeah. after Westbound Train. was like train. one of my most. Dr- I was a young in. I was a young last 17 to drink too much. Just yeah. trying to figure out how to go to shows. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you remember anybody played that night? There were four ska bands that played. Real Big Fish was there. Yes. I remember them. Suburban Legends, Westbound yeah. Train. and West, I remember Street Westbound Train. And Streetlight Train. Manifesto. Do not remember Streetlight from that night. <laughs> Yeah, that was wild. Um, yeah, because I, I feel like I always do. I do. I am the person who mixes them up with suburban rhythm. Yes, I do. I do. Uh, I do it all the time, and yeah. I, I am aware of the difference, but I consistently will mix them up. It's a pretty significant <laughs> difference, too. Yes, <laughs> and not only in the time and in the way they're spelled, and the members of the bands are totally different. The vibes. The vibes. Uh, should we pick it up where we left off? Joey's nodding. Pick it up, pick it up, where left off, pick it up, pick it up, where left off. So this is our first record back from Austin oh, from yeah. when we were at SPI this Fest. Is the first one. And we're currently in the operation of cobbling together the multitudes of live audio that we recorded. Something like an hour and a half, Joey, right? An hour and a half of stuff going on? Yes. That's uh, crazy. Yeah, that's a have, lot. Yeah, about an hour and a half once oh. everything's edited down. Oh, that's that's wild. Uh, but we can we'll probably talk more about it when we do that episode. But uh, right. how do you feel post SPI Fest, post live episode? It was good. Thanks. Lane. I blacked out. I like don't <laughs> like. I wasn't drunk this time for this one. I think I had maybe one drink before the show. Maybe not. Maybe one. Yeah. And I just like don't. I don't know. I'm sure lots of people in bands can relate. Like I just kind of adrenaline took over, and I don't remember anything. Just There's a picture of me here. leaning on stage, and I was like. When was I leaning on stage? And Rob was like, I don't know, like five minutes in, you made a whole bit about it. And I'm like, I don't remember that. There's a lot of pictures of you in extremely animated poses. Yeah, so many. <laughs> which I'm not surprised. But it does make me think if I didn't have Botox, what would happen to my face? 
Be Why? wild. What's that mean? Because it suppresses it. So then my face is still making crazy expressions, <laughs> and there's like muscles that are relaxed. It's not even your so face. Imagine if there wasn't. No, it's like, like your whole body I think maybe posture. maybe that's why. Maybe because because of my Botox, I've like compensated. What were with some of body your body movements? What were some of your highlights? Some of your favorite um, bands we saw? Oh, the brisket. <laughs> I thought you meant of the trip. <laughs> yeah, okay. Bucky's and brisket. Bucky's and brisket. Yeah. Secondarily, we saw a couple <laughs> ska bands. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, <laughs> are you remembering them? I uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, flying raccoon suit, mega friends, mega wave infinity, and yeah, I'm literally trying to remember all of them. You found so, so hard for tsunami bomb. Tsunami I bomb. loved tsunami bomb. It was very and good. Los Carados and Hans Grubes, obviously. Los Carados were they? They were incredible. a highlight for me just because yeah. I wasn't as familiar with them, and yeah. they did like a really crazy live surprise show. hit for Celine. <laughs> Shut went, up! I like into... Simple Minded Symphony. Uh huh. She, but she went. <laughs> Do Littlest Man Band. She I was, was gonna like, leave. you know what? I'm I was going to leave. leave. I'm not really into this. And then two or three songs in, she was literally, I, I and I over quote, to Chris, I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> and he'll never let me live it down. Ever, 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 ever. He keeps bringing it back bring up. It, up. <laughs> it was genuine in the moment. I don't, I do believe I've leaned over to some people and I was like, I would never listen to them like on an album or like, but I was like, but live it's just great. just like walking around telling everybody out this is just the best yeah i was but seen. i was but it was riddled with like i was gonna go home i <laughs> he had a good time apparently he was quite taken aback by i don't remember the dude's name scott coffin yeah sure <laughs> so apparently the he was quite like taken aback by how how rowdy the crowd was and then yeah i think how was, rowdy the crowd the was all the bands i feel like had a good time and that's fun. All but one, which we'll save for off the oh, pod. Oh, that's attic. fun. <laughs> Maybe some other time. Maybe when I'm feeling. Oh, spicy. I can. I can. There was yeah, one band guess. that had I, not the, a great time. For, can I just say Friday? Yeah, it was kay, Friday. Okay, okay. Then I know. <laughs> it was. We opened for a band that had a bad time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was great, and yeah. we're going to talk about doing more live shows, yeah. and we'll yeah we'll have that episode out. Our our second year anniversary is May fourth. So whatever around then for an episode, we'll we'll have it out. Uh, we're gonna do some bumpers. Gonna do a bunch of editing, make it sound pretty, and yeah, everyone will be able to enjoy it. Yeah, you want to do more live shows, Lynn? <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I feel like we could. It was. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. I don't really want to do any extra like work to put it on or anything. <laughs> but I'll like show up and do a live show. Yeah, I think that's what you said before. <laughs> I'll put up some posts. I'll post on. I'll post on social media, and I will be there. You did do some TikToks. Yes, I we, will. Our, I will our do long dormant TikTok has two TikToks yeah. on it. It's popping. Yeah, that's that's a popping. That's something. That's and there was hundred percent increase. Okay, Joel, you're off. Goodbye. 100%. Okay. Now it's time because he's sitting very patiently. Yes, very patiently. We are absolutely thrilled to introduce our guest. He is the host of the long-running ska music podcast on the upbeat that comes out every Tuesday, just like us. Wherever you get pods, Matt Vest is here. Hi, Matt. Woo-hoo, I'm here. <laughs> Welcome to the pod. Thanks. The godfather of ska podcast is here. Truly. Oh, wow. Uh, I... We're not worthy, I mean, I, kiss the ring, etc. I it's interesting that you put it that way. Um, because <laughs> they're definitely when I started like contemplating, like, do I want to do a ska podcast? And before I even you know found a partner, 
to to do it with. I looked up see if there was ska podcast out there because it ska is such a niche sort of genre. Like that's how you're going to build an audience because those fans will listen to it. But I didn't if if the playing field was oversaturated, I wasn't going to do it. Like right now, I would not start a spot a ska podcast. I just wouldn't. I'd be like, <laughs> all right, there's like three or four already up and going. No thanks, I'm out. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm just gonna. Um, though my wife would have yelled at me, no, do it anyway. You're better than all those people. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I probably would have done it. Um, but yes, I definitely, uh, I felt like there was also a slew of, uh, so when I started, there actually was a few that had kind of been going, but they like would have these long pauses. Yeah. Or Nothing that consistent. Like, yeah. They weren't consistent. Um, yeah. and they were also pretty much all kind of doing the same thing in right. the sense that where they were pretty much just playing ska music. No one was, it was like a radio style show. Yeah. Yes. No one was talking. And if they were, it was just about the song. When I eventually did eventually get a, uh, you know, a co-host, which was Aaron Bertram from suburban legends. All mm. right. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, we kind of set out to make it more, talk orientated about the ska culture rather than just here's some ska songs here's some facts about this song and when it was recorded not that that's boring but it's just i that's how we set ourselves apart and i think even of the ska podcast that are going now like you know between what you all do and what in defense of ska does and what on the upbeat does, I think they are very different and I think they're different mm -hmm. shows and they, you know, you guys sit down and you break down a song or albums by a specific artist and you go through that. Well, we don't do that. I no. thought eventually at some time we might do something like that with particular bands, but this is your thing. And yeah, you have guests on, you interview them, but it tends to be about the record or artist you're talking about. Totally. Um, so let's uh let's get into like the interview, the whole question thing that we have in front of me. Uh, so the first question I have for you is, what is your ska origin story, your checkered past, if you will? Um, so I have talked about this on our podcast. Um, so I'll try to give you the abbreviated version. So I was a uh, in high school in the '90s, you know, when No Doubt was becoming popular and Real Big Fish was on the radio and on MTV. And I grew up in Huntington Beach, Orange County area, so uh, I knew a lot of people when I was in high school who were going to Real Big Fish shows. Like I wasn't, but I wasn't in the ska the ska scene, you know. But I can contest that absolutely everyone loved wearing Hawaiian shirts who was into ska. <laughs> Cause that's how you spotted a ska kid. And, uh, I didn't have, I didn't have anything against it. I just, it just, you know, hadn't really reached me that way yet. And, you know, I remember yeah, the fashion isn't what sold me. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the fashion did not. There are times where, and look, I will, <clears throat> I pick on my own a lot. We I always will, do. I like, I will look at oh, what a bunch of nerds. I say that about Scott people. I say that about Star Wars people. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Every fandom that I'm a part of, I make fun of. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, so 
you know, I so I grew up knowing real big fish in the sense of not like knowing them personally, but knowing that they exist, you know, sitting in friends' cars who were listening to them. Uh, but I think I legitimately became a fan of ska um, when my friend, you know, I was hanging out with some friends and my friend, you know, they got off work. They went to the record store and they bought No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom. And uh, look, we could go down the rabbit hole of whether or not that album is ska or not. But, you know, we'll <laughs> save that for later. But it definitely was at least part of the discussion in, you know, 1995 or whatever. Um, so brought it home, threw it on, and I just fell in love with that album. Um, and you know, later I would go and find, um, so I would get mixtapes from people. So that's when I started like getting mixtapes of bands like Real Big Fish, Save Ferris, uh, no doubt, you know, all the Orange County bands that were big at the time, you know, Goldfinger and all that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, it just sort of progressed from there and then the first actual album um you know that i bought with my own money because before that like i said it was all mixtapes from friends you know throwing together a bunch of stuff or borrowing it and then making my own copy of an album or something like that but the first album i ever actually bought was from the orange county supertones their first record um the adventures of orange county supertones and, All right, uh, Supertones, let's rock. Let's rock. Exactly. <laughs> and um, and I hadn't heard them before at the time when I picked up the album. It simply because it had this like little superhero. It was supposed to be like Superman, like hero character. And he was saying ska, ska, ska. So I'm like, well, <laughs> that that does it. It must be ska. <laughs> and it's got like checkered borders around the pictures. <laughs> so, you know, let's jump into this and. Um, I loved it. I loved that album. Truth be told, the horns on it sound terrible. Uh, it is, yeah. it's like, I remember the first time I played it for, uh, someone who wasn't super in the ska, uh, but was into music and they go, are those kazoos? <laughs> I'm like, no, they're horns. They're just poorly recorded. And, um, <laughs> so yeah, I, that's kind of like how I fell into ska, you know, um, I I see for me like I wasn't in a ska scene the way a lot of other people were. I got into ska because it got famous. You know, right. if, if ska had never really hit MTV or the radio out here on uh world famous K-Rock, um you know, if it never done that, I probably wouldn't be super into ska that I am now. That's not an uncommon story yeah. though. Like especially of like if you grew up during that time, that's a that was a big gateway. So I I came in a little bit later, like 99, 2000, when Tony Hawk Pro Skater came out. And that's a very common like entry point for a lot of people. Yeah. And then the other story we, we've heard a lot is my dad's specials records yeah. was like the other or thing. a two tone record or something. of the sort. Yeah. So it was, it's either you're, you got introduced through it that way. You heard it on the radio or you played it in a video game. It seems to be 90 yeah. percent. And you were lucky if you got around that yeah. <laughs> or you were in band. You were in band was another one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And well, yeah. And then band was just probably because some friend listened to it, you know, because um, also I, then you sort of realize and, you know, how much ska you probably had heard before you recognized that it was quote unquote ska. Right. Um, you know, I remember, you know, I went to see in the theater this uh, 
sort of uh, it was from 1985. Uh, Back to the Beach, the movie is called. It's with Funicello yep. and uh, what's his name? Guy, I can't think of his name, but the guy, he's eh, whatever. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, a sort of a redo. It's an 80s version of like one of those like beach surf movies, teen beach surf movies or something. And it had has Fishbone in it doing Jamaica Ska. And, you know, that's the first time. I mean, that's probably legit the first time I saw Ska. And then also realizing some of the oldies that my dad listened to technically were Ska songs, right? You know, My Boy Lollipop. Like, I heard that song a thousand times if I heard it once before I was 18. Like, because yeah. I listened to oldies, you know. Um, so, yeah, just sort of realizing, you know. Ska was always around me, even if I didn't call it Ska. Right. So then I guess if uh, if we follow that thread, uh, when Ska kind of bit the bullet in the early aughts, like, did you stick around with it? Did you have a lapse period? Or, like, how, how did you stay uh, on top of it even while, you know, it was not on the radio anymore? So I basically, like I said... I wasn't part of a ska scene. So like for um, those that probably were in the ska scene, they kind of probably just kept going to shows and I didn't have that sort of connectivity. Um, I would try to follow the bands that I knew about, you know, when they would put out stuff. So I kept following real big fish Um, save Ferris. They didn't go much for, you know, they broke up technically in 2000 three and then didn't get back together for like 10 years. Um, and, uh, so like, um, yeah, I kind of, you know, my favorite ska band is, um, five Iron frenzy. So, yep. you know, and then they broke up in 2003 too. And I was like, Oh, it's dead. Music's dead. We're done. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess like in some ways I kind of fell off, but I kept trying to follow the band's, that I knew about. And if someone had gone, here's some new ska. Um, in fact, probably the only real new band that I probably kind of got into after, um, the death of ska, you know, in quotes, uh, was suburban legends actually, because, um, you know, they started popping up and playing at downtown Disney and I didn't like, wasn't super into them, but I did listen to them on the computer a lot. Cause that was the early days of like digital downloading or buying a record online or something like a band could just put their yeah. music up online and you could buy it. Now I was like, I was still like, I'm not going to buy anything off the internet. What if they like take my credit card number, like, or my mm. credit card number, whatever. Um, so I was a bit hesitant, but I would always like, I remember watching their like crappy YouTube videos at the time. And, uh, when I say crappy, I mean lovely, awesome, and funny. <laughs> uh, as we always do. Yeah, <laughs> and That's what uh, crappy means. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I kind of like, um, you know, kind of started kind of checking them out, but I didn't buy any of their music because I just felt weird buying it offline. And then I kind of, well, I so I know Vince, like Vince and I went to high school together, so. <laughs> Oh, there you um, go. <laughs> we, we so like, but at this time, Vince was still playing trumpet. So like Suburban Legends kind of kept that interest going, even though I didn't go like hang out at the shows. 
but I knew who they were and I was, you know, um, I just sort of, I think I was on a date with my now wife, my then girlfriend, and we just walked by this band playing ska music and I'm like, Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> and then we stood there and watched it. And then I kind of just kept following them, you know, cause this was still MySpace days and stuff like that and all that stuff. So I kind of mm, followed yeah. them. Um, you know, and I knew, oh, Starpool as well was kind of around here. And, um, you know, so Suburban Legends led me to Starpool and stuff like that. So that kind of kept my interest alive. And then, uh, yeah. So then how did it lead into the podcast? Uh, what was the impetus of starting the, the podcast? So kind of going from there, it was like I kind of started running into Vince a lot and Vince and Aaron, who I didn't know Aaron personally back in like 2009, 2010, but I did know Vince. And at the time I was working as a preschool teacher and Vince and Aaron and Aaron's wife, now wife, Rachel, they do a kids group together, like a music group. Um, Not only do they perform and like put on an actual story driven show, but they also come and teach music classes for preschoolers. Cool. Oh, and uh, or at least that's what they were doing back then. Um, now they kind of just do the story portion. I don't think they're really teaching in schools anymore. But um, so, you know, they came to a school that I was at and my wife was working at a different school. It turned out that they come to that school all the time. They were actually teaching classes at that school. So talking to Vince and then that led me to like, OK, um, you know, keep going to shows. and so. Uh, I started going to shows more and I, I literally legitimately going by myself because yeah, no yeah. One, I to do that too. <laughs> no one around me, especially, you know, in 2010, 2012, um, no one, I didn't know any people who were into ska that were sort of willing to go occasionally, Same. I'd bring, <laughs> occasionally I'd bring in like some friend that wanted to go. Um, so sometimes that would happen. Um, and then sort of like, I kept doing that, you know, I'd go and see the big bands and they'd come through and stuff like that, just by myself, mostly, uh, mostly going to a lot of suburban legend shows. I had a Disneyland pass off and on from there, so I would see them there. I actually had another podcast that was not ska or music related. Mm. So because I'd been going to shows a lot, I kind of slowly started making connections with ska friends, and then I would have them on that podcast and and then after a while of doing that podcast, my wife kept going like, you have all these ska people and that you've become friends with from like 2014 to like 2019. Like you've become friends with them. You go to shows all the time. Why don't you just start a ska podcast? And I was like, ah, I don't know, two podcasts at the same time, ah, a lot of work, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And plus that one, I was doing a hundred percent on my own. And I was like, I do not want to, cannot even imagine. That's crazy. Sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> we have four people that work on this podcast yeah. and I'm like, that's, that's good. <laughs> I could use five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you. And so like, so I was like, if I'm going to do this, I have to find someone who's willing to do it with, with me. And the truth is, I don't care about doing the work. I do not care about doing the majority of the work. What I care about is sort of someone being excited about it. Like, I just have to have someone to bounce an idea off of. 
And not totally. that their actual opinion doesn't mean anything. It's not like they're just an idea wall for me to talk to. No. I want them to participate. But I just mean, <laughs> I didn't want I didn't want to carry the burden of being excited about the show on my own. Joy. Yeah. First, I actually reached out to uh, Tara Hahn of Half Past Two. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually sat down and had a couple meetings and going over what the show would be like and what her role would be versus, you know, uh, basically what did I expect from her? What did she want to do? And, and all this stuff. And we talked about it. And after a couple of weeks, she kind of realized, you know what, with the band and she had just had her second kid at this time. Right. And so she was kind of like, yeah, maybe not. And uh, <laughs> I, I like, totally, this is so, so much work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I think um, time. Yeah. It's, you know, two kids. Time and a full-time yeah. band. So I got it. I was like, okay. Yeah. And that led me to just, my wife was like, ask Aaron, ask Aaron. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to mm-hmm. ask Aaron. He's already so busy. And so, but I did, and he was super into it. And uh, so it took a little bit to get going. Cause like I said, I was talking to Tara at like March of 2019 and we didn't start, we didn't post the first on the upbeat episode, I think until like early, maybe earlier, mid September of 2019. So there was several months that it took to like get going. And um, yeah, and it was just, you know, it was slow going at first, you know, we kind of did what you all do where you kind of record almost a month or so ahead of time. And you, you bank episodes and stuff like that. We were doing that um, mostly because Aaron's work schedule was very, at the time was very, all over the place. And just so we just had to do it that way. And we tried to, you know, that made it hard to set up interviews, but we did get a few in the first Aaron was around for like just about 20 episodes in the early days. And, um, so, um, so kind of with Aaron's work schedule, it kind of made difficult. So a lot of the first few episodes are us just talking (laughs) (laughs) just about sort of random subjects. Um, pertaining to Scott, we did have our first few, um, uh, interviews. I think our, I can't, I can never remember this and I probably should look it up. I think, well, in the early days, of course, we, we talked to Vince from Suburban Legends. Uh, Aaron did sort of like an off thing. I did. I talked to the guys from Codename Rocky because at the time they were, um, promoting a 20th anniversary show for their first album. And uh, we talked to the um, Andrew, the drummer for Five Iron Frenzy, and uh, Cody from Millington, like in those first few episodes. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah. That's um, better than our first. <laughs> well, we had nobody. For, yeah, for that's what I'm saying. And then, and then our first guest was just a guy. Was a guy we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're just good. Here's Steve. That's awesome. You started Steve. so yeah. legit. <laughs> yeah, he's Steve. His name's is... Eric with a K. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you? And he was not in the ska band. What do you know yeah, about? Liter- literally, only thing he knew about ska was Operation and Ivy crushing beers. and crushing beers. <laughs> and uh, uh, perfect. That was a that was a wild episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, anyway, that... Andrew from Five Iron Frenzy actually reached out to us. That was like oh, cool. I was like, oh, this is awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And uh, so it was, and then the pandemic hit and Aaron, uh, like I already previously mentioned, sort of did, does this kids music thing. um, And it's a whole thing and it's pretty much a full-time job in and of itself. And he and his wife also work at Disneyland 
um, doing shows there, like different right. variety shows, singing, dancing, whatever. Um, and especially Aaron was doing that a lot at the time. Actually, I'm not sure Rachel was. I can't remember. But anyway, but that was <clears throat> so when the pandemic hit, every amount of money that they had coming in, their entire job just disappeared. Right. They they went to schools, couldn't go to a school, you know, did live shows, couldn't do live shows, worked at Disneyland. Well, Disneyland shut down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like everything they had just disappeared. So we tried to kind of, you know, keep it going for a little bit. I kept trying to find, um, you know, a schedule that would work. But he just he, you know, he couldn't he had to focus on making money, right? He had to figure out some way to do what he's doing and do it online. And actually they did and they rocked it. They, those two are the hardest working people I I've ever met in my entire life. But that led us to RJ and RJ and I were already talking because RJ does or did uh, 23 minutes of ska. Yep. Yeah. And RJ, we were kind of trying to figure out like a way to do a crossover episode. Yeah. And, um, and I was going to like, basically I was going to, um, basically make a playlist for his show and he was going to come on ours. Then Aaron had to drop out. And then I was like, Hey, um, <laughs> you want to do this? Cause I know he, he had, he had another ska podcast. It was sort of attached to 23 Minutes of Ska. It's called the Ska After Party. And, you know, yes, I guess yes. he was telling he, us about yeah, it. He yeah, he told us about that. He, I guess, just didn't feel like he had, you know, people's attention, didn't feel like it was going places. And uh, so he kind of was like, well, you seem to be doing better. I mean, those are his, those are his words, not mine. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, he came over and. You know, we we definitely had, you know, talks where we we sat down and we talked about, you know, what I'd want out of the show and what it'll look like going forward. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of things started taking off. You know, we got a theme song shortly after he joined. And um, yeah, just I think when Adam Davis from Omnigon, um, formerly of Linked 80, came on, I think that really um was a very different type of interview as well as a very different type of band that we right. kind of mm-hmm. not been having on yet and i think that exploded because adam one is a great musician great songwriter and then on top of that his greatest strength is storytelling right. i i swear i want a podcast of adam just telling stories <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> stories from the road. Like that should be a thing. And then yeah, it's just been going at pretty good ever since then and it's going great. I think for a lot of us we just want to have a positive influence on the ska scene. I think it's time. Let's get yeah. into the time ska scene. I think it's time. Time. Right. Time. Time. Remember when you used to just do this song? Like <laughs> every day of my life. Remember when I had a theremin? Three Somehow I thought there was another thing that happened after that. Do, 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 do. I brought. Up, I had a big conversation about the yeah, theremin yesterday. Yeah, why does it have a board? 
Yeah. More therapy. I'm always asking. <laughs> Where I was like, oh, this is like funny and ironic to own a theremin $300 later. And then I was like, oh, this is like. That's an expensive it's, lesson. Well, it's based around like electromagnetic fields. And every single time you set it up, you kind of have to like refigure out where you're like, you'd have to have a quite advanced understanding of sound and music. <laughs> Which I realize maybe I should being on a music podcast, but that's a different level. That's a different level. That's a different level. That's a different level. Anyways, it's off topic, but there was a video that was shared with us of uh, Two Chains visiting Angelo Moore's house, <laughs> and Angelo Moore trying to show Two Chains how a theremin works. Were, yeah, <laughs> it is very entertaining. Two Chains, yeah. He, Two Chains had no idea who he was talking to. No, <laughs> no clue. <laughs> I didn't expect him to, but he had no idea. <laughs> hey, that's Scar. Angela Moore Ska, yeah. yeah. Or are you saying Two Chains of Ska? Two Chains of Ska. <laughs> All right. So today we're talking Suburban Legends. So Two-tones, the time Ska Sheen takes us back to 1998. This is uh, where I pulled my information from. So their website, Discogs, um, All Music, thing. Wikipedia. Robert? Yep. Two Tones. <laughs> that was good. Now I you wish you had <laughs> said it. <laughs> I know, but I didn't think of time. it. So I that, and I didn't want to interrupt you. So that's why I asked for a moment. I'm working on it. I'm working on my interrupting. Edit point. No. Let's put it, let's take it, we'll cut it out, and we'll put it right okay, after you okay, say okay. two chains. Two tones. <laughs> uh, so I also pulled from a few interviews from Uber Rock, female first in the Orange County Register. Um, for those who are following along at home, we have two records today. So I don't recommend we do this. Uh, but every time a band member changes, take a drink. <laughs> oh, you're going to try alcohol poison. <laughs> <laughs> what about a sip? I'm going to try. I, a I usually, okay, a sip. I a sip. usually don't record every single time a band member changes, but this was absurd and I had to record it. I can have one beer for each episode, so hopefully this beer lasts. This is like... This, yeah, hopefully the beer uh, yeah, here, hopefully this beer lasts. Uh, this is the thing that people say about ska bands, and there are many, many members always changing. Uh, Suburban Legends does not help that um, that that opinion. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's do it. So the time ska sheen takes us back to 1998 to the OC. That stands for Orange <laughs> County. The ska bubble could not possibly burst more, and a band decided now is the time to join the fun. Enter the No Tones. Founded by Tim Moore on the vocals, Brent Feige on guitar, and Justin Meacham on the bass, with Fred Johnson on the kit, a four-piece Real Big Fish-styled horn section consisting of Vince Walker, Aaron Beatram, Ryan Dallas Cook, and Brian Robertson. This lineup didn't last very long, as Feige was replaced by Josh Lander. That's number one. Johnson was replaced on the drums by Jimmy Sullivan. That's number two. You may know Jimmy by his more famous moniker, The Rev. Like of the blue Go drink? on for a second so that drink? you can talk about the of Revenge Rev. Sevenfold. Oh. The one that he died. But oh, but I got to see him. Spoilers. Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Do I sip? I, I did get I'm to sipping. see him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I got to He's see dead. him on, on the Waking the Fallen tour. And he, does, he did this like crazy drum solo. It was absolutely bananas. Probably so. one of the greatest metal drummers of all time. 100%. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. R.E.V. power. Yeah, and he at one point was probably playing Disney covers. So just think about that. (laughs) In heaven. All right, here's something Brian said in in, in an interview. Story about Jimmy. He was a very Jimmy. An incredible talent. We just had an insane time. 
I was in middle school, I think, and a car would be pulling up, picking their kids up from school. And Jimmy's getting all ready to go and would jump on their hood and yell at the parents, <laughs> go, ah, through the windshield. He would literally jump onto the hood of the car and put his face right up against the windshield for no reason. What a character. D- uh, so the new lineup would now go by a new name, The Bomb Squad, and would produce multi-layered sample-based albums, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, and Fear of a Black Planet. Oh, wait, that's a different Bomb Squad. They would release a self-titled EP. I'm more familiar with the Toon Squad. <laughs> who, who had multi... The Toon Squad had multi-layered sample-based albums. It takes... Imagine imagine Public imagine. Enemy called their production team the Toon Squad. And they their single yeah, is... Um, what was it? Spit Shine? <laughs> Isn't the Toon Squad the name of the tunes that are hunting Roger Rabbit in... Who friend Roger Rabbit? Is oh, the, I'm referring to, She's the referring to the basketball team, team in Space, Space Jam. Oh, with Michael right. Jordan, who Michael Jordan comes and helps that's, Lola Bunny. Okay. We got Daffy. We got okay. Bugs. We got Taz. You're right. Taz. It's, it's uh, a. Different. But I wonder is that, if is that true as well? I wonder. No, but this no, is I, a Disney based band oh. we're talking about today. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, I should have kept that. Sorry, that's WB, I'm. You're right. Sorry. I'm terribly in the wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry, you had a point and we were talking over top of you. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> saying something my real and is, interesting. My point <laughs> is, I think you're correct. I think that is the Toon Squad. I was just getting my movies with cartoon and human actors mixed up. Different. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes. Good point. Uh, very good point and very easily mistaken. Well, which is better, uh, Space Jam or Who Framed Roger Rabbit? If you say uh, Space Jam, you're wrong. I am incredibly biased. It's actually one of my most favorite movies. I watch it at least once a year. It's usually on my birthday. I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm not saying... It isn't good. I can just quote it front to back and I love it. And I'm definitely clouded in nostalgia. I think... I think, like, if a film person who knew what they were talking about, like, reviewed it, I think Who Framed Roger Rabbit would get a better... I'm just traumatized because they had those pictures of, like... Jessica Rabbit playing pancake or something patty or cake, something yeah, yeah. patty cake and I remember being like kind of disturbed because I didn't get it when I was a kid and I was like what do you mean patty cake and I was like you know when you're like something weird and sexual and adult is happening but I don't know and I don't yeah. get it yeah. anyways space is cake. way was... more age appropriate for kids uh who first, yeah who favorite <laughs> rabbit is for like teenagers and older so right Joey, did you have something valuable you wanted to contribute? I saw you just like yeah. at the knob. You're yeah, like, you were knobbing. I was just going to say that Transformers the movie is the correct answer to that question. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> no, no. Ba weep, grana weep, ninibong. Though I did watch that not too long ago, and I can't believe how much they swear in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> they swear a bunch and they kill off main characters. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm fucking turning into a car, man. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, kind Like, they know this was based on a Saturday morning cartoon for children, right? They know? Do they Do they not? Hey, do they know? <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, silly. Very silly. So, so in 1999, yeah. <laughs> With the ska pendulum swinging the other way, the band changed their name to Suburban Legends and recruited mutton-chopped vocalist Brian Clem to replace Tim Moore. Number three. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. Yeah. Who did you just say? Brian? No. Brian plays guitar. No. He plays guitar. Did I say vocalist? Yes. He did come in, though. 
So anyway, that's the third. True. He, you are correct in that. <laughs> yes. He did come in. And they recorded... Why did I say that? Anyway, I wrote the wrong thing. Recorded their debut or an Origin Edition, which we're not going to cover here. But I did listen to it. Not a fan. <laughs> where? Did, oh yeah, I listened to it. It's a little tough. Where did you even find that? I uh, illegally found a copy of it. <laughs> I thought it was on YouTube Music. Which EP? Sorry. This is uh, the Origin Edition. Yeah. I I, I don't know. It's I listened. No, I didn't. I listened to two extra EPs that I didn't need to listen to. That's <laughs> fine. You're gonna, I don't think one. We're of gonna those. go to okay. you for a comment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah. For those following along at home that know Celine's opinion on Real Big Fish, where I think we're we're going to be a little worried. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie because RJ is like legit OC, so I'm gonna try to like I'm trying I'm gonna really do my best to just not be a hater. All right, are you keeping up? In 2000, the lineup changes to continue unabated. Uh, oh, yeah, here here we go. Tim is replaced by Chris Batzone. There we go, and the Same. Rev steals bassist Justin Meacham to join. Uh, Avenged Sevenfold, aka A7X, aka Dem Bat Boys. But, <laughs> Dar- <laughs> I laughed really hard. Yeah, I'm sure, I wrote that down. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. Derek Lee Rock joins on the drums, and Tim's brother Chris joins on the bass. This lineup would re-record several demo songs on a self-titled EP in 2001. And guess what happens in 2002? Tim comes back. There you mm. go. Very next day, and they re-record that same EP with Tim's vocals as the Tim remix. It is literally the exact same thing, but they changed the vocals out. Tim remix, and then this is when the band got their big break as the house band for Disneyland, playing over a thousand shows in that would be fun. As much as I'm like probably going to be a little hard on the music i like no one should be surprised if they listen to any episode of this podcast ever but um but i think it would be super fun to go see them live at disneyland you saw them at disneyland i would right, have a Matt? fun time um so probably not in the early early days uh because when they first started they were playing in downtown disney which is outside disneyland and right then they started some i i don't know when but then they eventually started playing in disney inside disneyland and i, I yeah i saw them at both sort of places at different times, but yeah, not in the real early days. I'd be having the time of my life. It's def- it definitely was a good time. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's just like a ska show. Cause you just go and all hang out and yeah. How could you not have fun in that circumstance? Yeah. This is how Brian describes them getting, this is a bit of a, a walk, but this is how he describes them getting this gig. Our trumpet player, Aaron, he used to work at Disneyland and managed to meet a contact for the entertainment and kind of made nice with him and told him what we did and kept sending him videos and calling and saying, and they kept saying, yeah, we'll check it out sometime. Then all of a sudden they saw a video of what we did and called us and asked if we can come in for an audition. So we went in and did the audition and it was like a proper business audition in a long white room. There were four chairs right at the end with people in suits watching us play. So what happened was we did the audition, stopped playing, and then the suits would like whisper to each other. And then they said they'd like us for a second one that would be paid and in the park. So it just happened from there. Once I ran into the head of Disney one day in the park and I went and said, thank you for having us. And he said, I've been trying to get a hold of you guys to play. Mm-hmm. So we did an entire summer in downtown Disney doing four sets a night, six days a week for the entire summer. If you look at our Wikipedia page, someone actually worked it out uh, and it was something like 900 sets. An Ooh. insane number. Yeah. So wow. finally, it was time for their first true full length debut. Rump Shaker was self-released in 2003, produced by Oingo Boingo bassist and Real Big Fish producer John Avila, 
featured the band's iconic sound of the time, which was heavily influenced by OC, Third Wave, Ska, Disco, Funk, and Glam. Let's talk about it. Rump Shaker. What the hell? Rob. What are you looking for? Your rump? Oh, you have the vinyl? I have the yeah. vinyl. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. That's uh, the asbestos reissue that I, like I have the in front cover. of me. Uh, which was it's a fantastic, very satisfying so. looking record. That's fun. It's, it's very of the time, and I look. It's good. It's definitely Looks very like you a little bit. Yeah, it's very two thousands. It's and- good. It's like per. I act like truly like in a best nostalgia way that like <laughs> is very satisfying to look at. <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's uh, let's cue up a song, and then we can kind of talk over it and uh, talk about this record because it's pretty. It's pretty iconic. This is high fives. Start there. Mm- just a bunch of guys writing so, about high fives. So you want me? To, I can talk over this, right? Oh yeah, you can please, talk over that. Please. please, so we don't get sued. Yeah, yeah we kind of have to. Oh, yeah. okay. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think a lot of people don't understand about this song in particular, and a few other songs within their catalog. They're not being serious with this song. This song. No, no they. They're clearly a bunch of nerds. No, this, <laughs> yeah, this song is tongue in cheek and is in fact making. We're singing from the perspective of a douchebag, and they're not being douchebags. <laughs> of course not. No, I had definitely no um, question whether or not they are, they are being self-aware. At the end of the day, regardless of how I feel about the actual music, <laughs> they are being self-aware about it and like having a time. And I'm sure they're great. And it is fun to watch them play live and this song comes on and everybody gives each other high fives. That is fun. So that's (laughs) sort of an interesting thing now. The the song is, you know, 20 years old this year. So it's like, it's taking on a whole different meaning in life of itself when you see them play this live. You know, now it's just like, we're all hanging out having a good time. You you keep mentioning that you don't like the sound and you seem to have a problem with Orange County. I don't know. All I can say is when it's in my ears, I don't want it in my ears anymore. Who, who is your OC ska band that you like? I like, no doubt. And did, some say Ferris songs are good. Did you like RX Bandits? Like, yes. but I feel like you also yeah. like the RX Bandits. I do yeah. like that, but they are like weird <laughs> about it. Is it because it it's too poppy? No, because I love pop. I like mostly listen. Pop is probably my one of my top genres I listen to, like as life. So if I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna nail. I'm gonna make you nail this down. What is it that you don't <laughs> like? Is it the I oh you know what I like? I am just like a gothy, angsty, like punk rock. It's not edgy enough for me. I could just say mm. it right now. It's just, but I like, but I kind of like the Aquabats sometimes, but not all the time. Mm. But they're also being weirdos about it. And these guys are being like fun guys. I'm sure they're fun dudes. And I love ska shows. I like going to live ska more than I like listening to ska, just in general. I think that you've gone to enough OC ska shows that you've enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'm sure if I saw these guys, which I have. Yeah. I'm sure if you ever get around I to probably seeing them. was dancing and having a good time. <laughs> the one time we definitely saw them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It, I think we have kind of broke that down before i do think it just like lacks a little edge for me so if they just I like said a little fuck more yeah. you'd be all about it if they because they do have a it song would help <laughs> let's play that song they have another song where they play fucking it <laughs> say fucking it a lot so let's play that song it's i find it very same samey like i do find it very 
not a lot of variation between songs. You're not a pop punk person. I don't. Either. I'm not. A, it depends. It has to be kind of emo and whiny for me to like pop punk. Yeah, but um, then, it's not, then it's not. It's just a bunch of white average guys kind of coming from like a middle class back i don't know their life but seemingly like a no, middle class background <laughs> making no, you songs it. and their parents are supportive and they have good relationships with their families like i don't want them to suffer but i do like for my music i want somebody to have gone through maybe some type of oppression <laughs> Which I don't know their life. They could have gone through a lot, but when upon listening of it, that's that's not, not the topic of conversation. It's not the no. vibes. Yeah, yeah, not edgy enough lyrics. They're not really making a point. The stuff they're singing about girls is like, I guess I don't prefer it because like I also make the commentary that I don't like when they're creeps, but because they don't have, but they're I don't the way they talk about women isn't offensive, but maybe I want them to be more. We offensive. haven't gotten to so the most, album where yeah, they say sorry. shorty the whole time, so that's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get there eventually. <laughs> yes yes um it was, it's I, a lot to listen to that much suburban legends we did listen to a lot for this episode but that's that's okay so to be I, fair i had a better attitude the first couple albums and then it got <laughs> grating so to be fair listening to it all at once is also um, this album peppering is you love it one. yeah it's very good i own the vinyl i of course love it i'm not showing this around because i'm like guess what i am mid <laughs> I'm, like, I'm showing it because i'm like this is a good this is a good record this era is the one i prefer so listening back to this album i i was super happy i like that it's very like i feel like their satire is more obvious sure on this record they're kind of going out of their way to be like over the top in this like pastiche of jocks and frat boys yes um and I, that could be like Tim's influence on the lyrics, but uh, it's uh, it, it plays better. Plus, they have like a little bit more like, you know, you got songs like uh, Do It For The Kids, which kind of like it also harkens back to I was saying before the pod that this is like, why do they rock so hard era? Real Big Fish, like this yes. is kind of on that on that tip, which I don't hate. That's so I'm 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 pro. So I this is where I can bring in very specific knowledge, because obviously uh, I am close friends with Aaron and I do have occasionally talk with other members of Suburban Legends. So right. like for sure, this album is very heavily influenced by Real Big Fish's Why Do They Rock So Hard? It they very they, much so. Yeah. They've said it, they've admitted it, they talk about it. They wanted big horns, big, you know, you know, sort of glam rocky, sort of just big. That's all that's what they wanted. And that's what they got. And um but I also you got to keep in mind. So this is, you know, they're maybe a few years out of high school. So these guys are like in their very early twenties. So oh, yeah. they, yeah. their perspective on relationship really is not that deep. <laughs> that deep. So, I do like how, as a positive, I do like that they're dance forward. I do like it's all about the dance. So yeah, one thing I we, like that. One thing we haven't talked about, and I think I have it on here later, is what their live show is all about, which is the heavily choreographed dance sequences on the stage, uh, which is the price of admission. You go to see a Suburban Legends show to watch the crazy dancing. They don't, yeah. they are not very rough around the edges. And I think pretty much every band that I like, like 
is rough around the edges. Yeah, in some I'd way. say I'd say that that but that's not what they're going for either. They, right? they don't so, need yeah. to, and yeah. other people can enjoy that. But I also am very much allowed to not enjoy it. <laughs> I'll not be listening to this again. Well, and uh, I'd like to hear more about your perspective, Matt. While we're doing that, can we listen to Bright Spring Morning? This is like one of their like kind of live go tos. Yes. There you go. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, this is he just. This song uh, really is usually a closer uh, for the most part, and it and it really does have this sort of um, I want to say whimsical sort of uh, aspect to it. It's just like, man, I just want to go out, explore the world, and live life, and um, let go of all my cares, and, you know, um, and. Um, there's also a slower version of the song on a different EP um, that hits way differently. And uh, I'm sure when we get a little bit closer to that era, we'll talk about why it's a little different. What's interesting about this song, wait, wait till let's get to it. Let's see. Uh, did we miss it already? Oh, hold on. Listen to this. Yo. You hear how he, he doesn't say radio. He says radio. No, he says ra- radio. I was going to ask what, what that is. Is that a radio? Um, <laughs> um, it's to fit into the song where it needed to be. He mispronounces it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how he sang it. And so, I mean, because I kept thinking, like, that was the explanation someone gave to me is, like, it needed to fit into the the timing of the song, but I'm like, no, I think you can still sing radio, radio, <laughs> like radio. And it's just like, I, it's, it's kind of like when rappers like really mess up the pronunciation of pronunciation of a word just to get it to rhyme, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is All fun. Actually. Yeah. That's a good ta- tactic. So yeah, he was trying to rhyme it. I think with window and radio does not rhyme. <laughs> wow. That's a stretch radio. Like now, like I, I respect that. As a person who said, uh, "Ursa Scott sings music a steady ride, my poor unfortunate soul." I appreciate a stretch. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, I think uh, actually now that I think about it, I think that's why he mispronounced. He says it that way because it needs to rhyme with "roll down your window, crank up your radio." Like it's, yeah, it's trying to make it rhyme or fit into the space. I don't know, but there was a. It does add character for me, like. That kind of stuff like adds character to a song. Maybe it's weird. Maybe it shouldn't have done it, whatever. But it adds character. Like if there are songs out there that like have someone laughing in the background, like these mistakes, um, there are songs, the guitar riffs that happen because a songwriter made a mistake playing, trying to play the thing that they were supposed to play and they make it better. So I think it adds character, but it is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think like uh, it's a good time as any actually to take a break. And when we get back, we got more suburban legends. Yay. Welcome back to Checkered Pass. We're here with Matt from On the Upbeat, and we're talking suburban legends. Let's hop back into the time, Scott Sheen. 
The band was very known for their musical theater-inspired live show that often featured choreographed dance routines, as we said before, which was captured on their 2004 DVD, Season 1. Let's just say the lineup continues to change after this. Slynn, are you ready? Chris left the band and was replaced by Mikey Hatchie on the bass. Aaron Bertram was replaced by Luis Beza, and Tim left again. <laughs> So the so where are we at? Uh, actually, I don't. I lost seven, count. Six, seven? seven, seven. Okay, should I keep my fingers up so we can follow along? Yeah. So the band took a, the whole time. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm locked in. So the band took a break in 2005, and at this time, trombonist Dallas Cook was unfortunately killed in a motorcycle. Whoa! Hit and run. So much yeah. tragedy. So after, sip to that. Yeah. Like, but are but a pour one out for your homies kind of sip. I remember that on their like MySpace at the time. That was like that's a so sad, really tragic moment. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, because it was like a drunk driver hit him while he was on his motorcycle. Ugh. Yeah, it was, which is scary. Like, he was, yeah, we think about that a lot because my our dad is on a motorcycle all the time, and it's like, geez, Rob is glaring at me for trying to eat on the pod. No, I'm not. Oh, I don't okay. care. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm just having a little. I'm trying to quietly nibble on chocolate. I literally specifically was like, what's a little quiet snack? But I always forgot about the wrapper. The wrapper, really. I'm just gonna pre get out some right now because we're Two talking toes? about it. <laughs> okay. That was a very sad story. Yeah, it was a sad story taken over by chocolate. <laughs> anyway, so after reuniting for a benefit show, they put Vince Walker on the vocals and hired on Philip Inzerillo to take over the trombone. Sip. This new lineup recorded the EP in 2006, Dance Like Nobody's Watching, showing the band's stylistic shift to full-blown disco rock. Yeah. Did you listen to that one? I did, front it's, to back. I remember every single song. So I have a I have a memory. And that was, man, I love Rump Shaker so much. I can't <laughs> wait to see what they do next. And then Dance Like Nobody's Watching came out and I'm like, oh my. <laughs> I did not I did not re-listen to it for the sake of this podcast. <laughs> it was wild. It was wild. But I mean, if they're just doing something, they're doing something. Like if a band it's like we're just gonna do a disco rock album, then I guess, you know, they're doing a disco rock album. Did I mention that so far they've turned over their their members eight times? <laughs> right. Yeah, no. This so beer one is so can... much lighter. <laughs> um so Philip would leave shortly after the band's tour bus was set on fire. And uh, th- at this time, this lineup was what we saw when we saw Real Big Fish and Streetlight. This is what we saw. Okay. And we saw the full-blown, full, full four-piece horn section dance thing. It was incredible. It was one of the best live shows I've ever seen. They did a phenomenal job. And they did Disney covers, and they did a lot of cool songs, and it was wonderful. They're a great live performer. That's like kind of what you you sign up for. Yeah. So albums, fun. Live show, second to That's, none. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would say that half of the appeal, more than half of the appeal uh of Suburban Legends is their live show. Um musically, I love them. I'm very entertained by them, but anytime I'm listening to their songs, like I wish I was watching them live <laughs> like, yeah, uh, because not only is it just they're dancing on the stage and doing, you know, fun routines, um, but they like they'll divide the crowd in half and make them run in each other or like have this like back and forth dance off between you know, the, you know, the crowd that's divided in half, you know, you, you know, and it basically like re- they'll do a 
the horn players were like, do a repeat after me, depending on what side of the audience you're on. And it's just a great yeah. time. And uh, so, like, the funny thing is you mentioned, like, the turnover of, like, Aaron Bertram and Vince leaves, but Vince comes back on vocals. Um, so I want to shed a little bit of light on to that. And it, this actually comes from Vince. Um, I think it's episode four of our podcast where we talked to Vince. And one of the things we kind of wanted to talk to Vince about was like what it was like coming back as a vocalist and what was that transition like, but it ended up going into the conversation about like why the band sort of went the direction it did. Cause you mentioned like there was a lot of turnover, you know, Vince leaving, uh, Aaron leaving, and then, uh, the passing of Dallas. So there was just a lot of just things. And I think, and in the episode that we had Vince on, Vince ends up talking about, and and with Aaron, they talk about like the band had kind of hit a level where it's like, we either need to like stop doing this because it's not going any further or find a way to go bigger, like step up. Because, you know, they were having the, you know, they were doing tours with Real Big Fish and they were doing tours with like Les and Jake or, uh, you know, all the sort of bigger bands that were still able to tour and make money. Right. So they were getting on good tours, but it just wasn't going much beyond that. And so they either had to stop or try something bigger or do something different and dance like nobody's watching is that response it's that sort of like let's do something different and that's and that's also what led into infectious being what it is um being further into that sort of disco-y pop uh what a great segue are you ready for it (laughs) while we talk about it let's play the song infectious album I didn't even know it came out until I prepped for this podcast. I'm not going to lie. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I knew about uh, Let's Be Friends and Slay the Dragon together. I knew that oh. one very well. But I completely missed this one for some reason. Yeah. Like, weird one-year time gap that I, I missed an album. Like. Yeah, so, like, now, I wasn't... I kind of knew of this album. And, yeah, I, at the time, and obviously, uh, you know, when I say at the time, like, I think this came out in 2009... And so, like, I knew of it at the time, but didn't own it. Um, in fact, I don't currently even own it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't. I do a case like this song, Infectious. I actually like. I, I think it's a good pop song, um, and it's a good dance song. It's a good song to see them do live, and they do have a good dance. It's one of the better songs off the album, but the rest of the album just, you know, it's. So with this album, I feel like they kind of switch this thing that was like sarcastic, you know, tongue in cheek about like some dude bro, like being a ladies man and stuff like that to being sort of pointing at it and just criticizing it or, or now the narrative turned into that's what they are like what they are that's what they're all this about. seemed less tongue-in-cheek this seemed to take itself more seriously not a yeah. necessarily a bad yeah way, a but... little bit like overtly sexualized and pretty horny yes uh, like and... i'm gonna go to the club yeah. and meet the ladies and it's like <laughs> oh 
okay. Like that seems It's hard to believe it from like those guys. Like I kept just seeing like pictures of them, like whatever, especially like the Slay the Dragon. And I was like, they just like I'm sure they're fun guys, but they're not really they yeah, look like well, crazy a, womanizers. No, I read an That's interview all. where one guy is That's like a good a, thing. I can't remember which member of Suburban Legends is like a big Lego collector. They look like nice but, yeah. Yes. Nerds. So, nice yeah. nerds. Yeah. They did a hundred percent. That's what thing. they're all about. That's the and, thing, yeah. like um I think sound-wise, a lot of the sound comes from um, Brian Clem, who's their guitar player. He loves sort of uh, big sounds, and I think he loves sort of the party vibe. And you know, there's still a there's still a, a glam metal sort of aspect to some of what they do, especially like that's sort of um, on the next album. That's way bigger pronounced. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I'd say the thing with Infectious that bugs me, I think, the most. Like, this is this is easily my least favorite record we listened to, for sure. This was a uh, tough one. There was a, and, definitely a couple songs that I'm like, I can give it a minute. I can give it one minute of my time, I'm, and then I have to skip I'm it. a big funk disco fan, and unfortunately, I know, this, I sounds, thought this, would be this sounds an awful lot like their impression of disco is just people doing this. Aren't they? No. <laughs> disco is fun, and people doing that are I don't weird. know. That, that sound effect sounds pretty fun, I don't yeah, that sounds pretty fun to me. Uh, so it's just not, yeah, not a lot happening. Um, and this is this is what they said. Uh, I, I read an interview, and this was a, full, a fun quote. I don't know who said it because they just attributed it to the band. They asked them how the response to Infectious was, and they said, oh, they hated it. Yeah. It was not very well received, although it seems like now people are starting to like it. I think five years ago, people were like, what the hell are you guys doing? Now people are sleeping open up, but we don't really play it live. <laughs> yes. So I th- Oh, they hated it. <laughs> I think that maybe uh I believe that's Brian Clem, and I actually think that's he a video interview, and I think maybe it got mm-hmm. sort of written out on a right. internet web article. And I think it's Brian, and I do because I do remember him very much saying that publicly, saying like, look, people hated that album, and uh it just didn't catch and yeah i guess i guess he, he's right you know there is that album has you know because it is so dance orientated i guess it has mm. fans and uh i think if you can find you know maybe it's not your favorite but there are a couple songs on that album i think all around the world is also you know on that album that and that's another song i like there's a song the songs i don't like are like win a date um yeah and uh yeah that one was i think rough. summer catch or something is that a song or is that a isn't summer catch a movie too <laughs> like <laughs> it might be a freddie movie. prince jr yes yeah uh yeah but, uh, <laughs> i got there yeah but, i'm sure they could write fun dances to it you know like the kind of music i'm sure like writing a, a fun choreographed dance maybe they're thinking live show first song second yeah. Oh, so this uh, song I was th- thinking of was "Summer Crush" and then oh, "Yeah Crush." Yeah. Uh, "Trophy Wife" not a great song. No, oh. um, that one was with the one of the roughest. Oh, yucky. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I'm kind of glad they put it in their rear view. Um, so it was. It's different. It's different. And then I we'll keep going because the next album they take a a, a real swing. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, this this was uh because to your point. The good thing with uh, releasing something like this and where they were at, they got a lot more like more high profile tours, you know, with like Streetlight and and the like. Uh, although they did have some more drama where in Philadelphia, 
their van was stolen with $80,000 worth of equipment. Yeah. And they just found the uh, van gutted and left to rot in someone's driveway. Um, but you know what? Uh, they actually had no lineup changes in between the two records. What a shocker. The band would release what no was sense. at the time the much hyped. They did a lot of effort to hype this one up. Let's be friends and slay the dragon together in 2008. We saw the band introducing some ska a little bit, but it's mostly a glam rock record. This is like the glammiest thing they've done. You can tell from like the cover art uh, where it's a picture of all their faces and they're all like in like this glam or like sort of cheeky costuming. Yeah. Um, and uh, this would get them on tours with Less Than Jake, backing MC Lars on his tours and then playing Miley Cyrus's Sweet 16. That's funny. Um. So let, while we talk about this one, why don't we, why don't we play, I forgot, this song's called, uh, yeah, that one, Girls Got What I Want. Right there. I thought this really emphasizes that, oh yeah, looking at Joey because he plays in a glam rock cover band, yeah. and this is like right there. That's Brian, Brian Clem. And then it kicks in with stop. So... This is, I think, this is the album that you were saying they use uh, when they refer to a girl, uh, baby or something. Shorty. Shorty. They say shorty a few times. This is the shorty album. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So this song, this album, I definitely like more than Infection overall. Yeah. And it does have, you know, sort of, you know, I think my favorite tracks were always "Let's Be Friends," "Girls Got What I Want." Taking down the business, though it's musically I like it, but it's weird to sing that song, like because I think by the end you figure out that he's like sleeping with a married woman. <laughs> oh yeah, the 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 pro the pro infidelity song. Uh, <laughs> that was a that's a fun move. You know. Not sure what. Yeah, <laughs> for... those pro infidelity songs. <laughs> um, I yeah, and then I. Fire, which is literally about their van catching on fire, or at least I do like that song. That's a good. That was a good tune. I like it. And then, uh, um, come on, play polyester. Let's listen to polyester. Ha. Oh, I don't have it. <laughs> oh. I tried to like not play too much on this album because I want to talk more about the next one. But <laughs> um, I like it when they do Scott more. Yes. I, I actually, oh, yeah. I do. I Definitely. am. I'm. <laughs> I know, like that's not a hot take for like the context we're in right now, yeah. but. Um, <laughs> I do enjoy, I am, whenever it like gets gone, I'm like, okay, I'm back in. I think with this record, like it, I come and go with it where I'm like, I get what they're doing. And yeah. I think there's merits in somebody being like, wow, a, a glam rock come disco come ska album is kind of like a fun idea. Yeah. And in, in execution, they actually, I think they nail it on a few. Yes. But then they, it's a 45, 50 minute album and okay, you're like the albums you can are too long easily crop that, off like four or five stinkers thing for me but i do it find good, it all a, it's it actually probably would function as a really good ep if they like really focused on the core elements and it would probably make i think as a full length album and you're like wow there's way more misses than hits on this but yeah yeah it's listenable and it probably is has a good audience and i don't know i i I would never come back and listen to it again unless it was for this podcast, but it it has more merits than Infectious does for yes, sure. It d- definitely a lot more enjoyable. And I think overall, I think they play more songs off it, but overall, that's the funny thing. Like they really 
they either, when it comes to their live shows, they are either playing a lot of the stuff off of um, Rum Shaker or they're playing a lot of stuff off their new stuff and Disney covers. And uh, yeah, and they don't overdo. Oh, that would be fun. And they don't overdo it with the Disney covers. When you go to see them, um, like at an actual, you know, maybe they're playing the House of Blues or something. When you go to see them at a show show, maybe they play one or two Disney covers. <laughs> it's not nearly what they play, like when they're playing in the park. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like and uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I actually do own this CD. This is one I definitely picked up. Um by this time, I was like, you know, I really want to support the band, so let's get it. Um, and uh, oh, this was two thousand. This album was two thousand eight. I thought it. Yeah, I, that sounds right. I thought the in, oh, Infectious was two thousand seven. So like, I don't know. Like they did those albums back to back. So yeah, a year apart. Yeah, yeah. It's really funny. Well, that, I think I think I think the uh, let's the the dance one, whatever that one's called. I think that's like 2006. I think it's six, seven, eight. They literally released yeah. an album every year for three years. Yeah. And then they didn't re- release their next one for like four years. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> glad they got, they, I'm glad they thought about it a little bit harder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know there was, but that was during the time when they, and that it was around that time. Cause I think that's when this gigantic robot kills the MC Lars album came out. Yes. And they did the ska song on there and it almost like, reinvigorated the, and they toured with him and it almost like reinvigorated their uh their love of ska again <laughs> and then by this time i think aaron bertram was back playing with them at least he would like he's still in the band now uh sort of unofficially like he plays with them when they play like local california shows um and uh so i think by this time he was back playing with them at downtown disney inside disney and uh, yeah, now let's talk about my favorite suburban legends. <laughs> oh yeah, let's Woo! let's get through it. So Lu- Luis Beza leaves the band at this point. Ten, ten. Uh, yeah, they can't go too long without a lineup change. So in 2009, the band lightly apologized for their ska departure <laughs> and committed committed to writing a full blown ska album. I remember this. They said <laughs> this isn't just an album with ska elements. This will be a ska album. <laughs> Uh, they did a little bit of a tease with 2010's Going On Tour EP, and Mikey Hatchie uh, left and was replaced by Brad Palladori. That's 11. Oh, wow. <laughs> 2011 saw the band attempting a transition to the small screen by being the house band for Neil Hamburger's game show, bowling game show, Pick a Split. Neil Hamburger tried to have a That's bowling fun. game show. Yeah, specific, <laughs> very, very specific. I think just they, like flop sweating. I think they only recorded one. I think they only made like one. Just the pilot. Yeah, just yeah. Mm-hmm. They did the pilot, and it then did it, not get it did not up. get picked up to series. Oh, you mean the uh, I can, didn't I can... get picked up? They didn't pick it up. Yeah, ah. they didn't got. Pi- they, they didn't get they picked it up. Didn't get picked it up. But yeah, they that's didn't it. get picked it up. <laughs> the it's gone in the nineties. <laughs> Two thousand twelve saw the album Day Job finally seeing the light of day, returning the band back to its ska roots. Released in the same year as Real Big Fish's Candy Coated Fury, sharing some stylistic similarities, but the band was finally committing to waxing their Disney covers under the sea, and I just can't wait to be king. Self-released and produced by Vince Walker, and featured lyrics born on a track. I didn't open up that one, but this was the teaser song. I remember this when was, this came uh, out. This open was, up your uh, eyes. The Disney covers I enjoy. Oh, I have a Disney cover on this album that I queued up, so for sure. Good. But this was Open Up Your Eyes, which was 
this was their, they released a video for this, I remember. They were like, this is what we're going to sound like on the new album. Yes. And I was like... Yeah, I love the song. It's probably, I mean, it's got to be in my top three favorite, you know, Suburban Legend songs. Um, I just think it, it's infectious, you know? It's, yeah, this is it's stupidly catchy. catchy. Yes. Yeah. And it's, you know... It's, it sounds like Zebrahead. Really? Like, in a good way. It, it, it like, very much sounds like the middle era zebra head, okay, but they're, so like, I was gonna say, vocalist. Yeah. Not like they're funk guy at the beginning. They're, like, middle era. That was era. a Joey app. Yeah, that was, oh, yeah, that was a Joey That was a Joey app. did zebra head, yeah. Joey's nodding. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, I just, and, um, and this song is, you know, it's not just about, like, dating. Getting laid? Right. Yeah. It isn't about <laughs> dating or anything. Started to be, you know, a little bit more personal, you know? Like the song Emergency, the first song on that album, I think is kind of about Vince having a panic attack. Right? Yeah. No. Like it's just, you know, then, you know, obviously you kind of have, you know, things like Love Affair and Dude Alert, which are a little bit, I think, like something like Dude Alert did make me laugh. I, I did funny. laugh. I laughed at Dude Alert. Yeah. And Dude Alert was more. It is a little bit harkened back to, you know, uh, the more tongue in cheek sort of the high five, yeah, yeah, the high five vibe with yeah. Doodler, yeah, and then of course um, the Disney covers, which which is weird that it took them this long to put it on. <laughs> I think that they did. I think I remember reading something that it was uh, the reason why was because they wanted it to sort of being like the linchpin of their live show, like they wanted it to be like an exclusive live experience to come mm. and see those covers, yeah. And That's I remember smart. when we saw them, this is what, so let's play this, this is Under the Sea. This is what they closed this the show jam. off. And it tore and the I, yeah, house down. Yeah, I was going to say, down. like, people just lose it. Yeah. People are probably just so pumped. Well, okay. the it's, original it's version of this song is, uh, for, sorry, I don't mean to be gross, but so horny anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> song, the song in the actual, you know, Little Mermaid is so infectious and has some more lines in it anyway that like this is just a perfect fit and uh, yeah and it's probably and it's a great song to cover and I think covers what are you guys' thoughts on covers in a top band anyway I one love I think in general I think if you're like a first time band and you're just starting out I think covers aren't essential to you I know it's like yeah. you want to I want to show my song blah 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 but here's the thing of course if you want people to show up to your set and you're like a new band the best way to get their attention is to play a song they know and to play it well because then it's like yeah you're telling they're them, prioritizing the crowd's experience right hmm. you're telling them two things one I know what you want I know, I know, I know what you want to, you want to hear like some song, you know, that you can sing along to and participate in. Like that's helpful. Yeah. And then two, yeah. like it tells them y- that you as a band are good at playing a song, right? Just that's all they need to know to connect with you is like, you can play a song and then I'm going to stick around for your originals. Cause you can play a song. You clearly have influences that I like. You know, so, you know, pick a, you know, if you're a ska band, cover a ska song that you like. Um, If you're a punk band. I think, yeah. 
that's that's the um i mean that's the background of ska is like two-tone bands covering sure. like traditional ska songs right. right and i think there is like like how there's a great american ska, a songbook there's a great ska i'm not gonna say ska american because it's not just american <laughs> right. uh but there's like a great ska songbook right like we saw i can't remember who we saw at spi fest but they're like we're a ska band so we got to play monkey man yeah and they played monkey man right <laughs> that was fun tore the house down right because everybody's like yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah everyone loves that song uh, yeah, it's a yeah. classic you play it and every I think that there's that um, and it, like doing the cover of the 80s song or doing like the pop song. I think there's a place for that. I think you can't abuse it to your point. You can't just only do that. I think that sort of ruins your credibility a little bit or you turn into or you just start the, playing weddings and you start. Yeah. Then yeah. you're now you're a wedding. You're a house band. Nothing wrong with that, but it probably get you paid. In the, but, that's what I was going to say uh, in their defense. They're probably going to make more money doing that than they would. I was going to say, yeah. yeah, I was like, also <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Not, but I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to get you a bad time records deal. No, um, probably not. I guess, but maybe you probably don't need it. <laughs> um, They handled the fake Jamaican in under the sea. Well, I was about to ask, like, how do we feel about the fake and I don't feel like they did it, really. No. I don't think they leaned in. It feels like it was it was light. I don't think it was fake in Jamaica. I no. think maybe at times it may sound like that's what he's doing because maybe he's sort of emphasizing. Putting one on. Yeah. Well, he's emphasizing sort of the, the character necessarily. Well, that's interesting now that we really break it down because Sebastian the Crab is French. But yet he does have a Jamaican accent when he sings. This is so confusing. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? I, I 100% Because he says out. like under the sea, but he's French. So when you'd be like under the sea, under the sea. He's supposed to be sea. French. How do, how do you know he's supposed to be French? Because he has like a Sebastian. I don't think he is Le French. I don't know where that came because from. Because he goes, there's like a whole kitchen scene. Well, it says here that uh, Sebastian is a small red Jamaican accented crab. <laughs> So, French, I believe. I don't know. I don't know when we'll the discuss last time this we... later. I don't, we can't derail the and podcast. He's, and he's voiced by uh, by a, a black man? gentleman. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think you're thinking of Lumiere, who was vo- voiced okay. by a not French person, Sebastian. <laughs> yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying to figure out where you're going with this. Sebastian by default is a French name. It, there was yes, a French cook that tried to cook him. Yes, that's yes, true. that's what I'm saying. Are you, are you and that's the, I feel like they interacted French in French. I feel like they had French vibes. I feel like they had French vibes together, <laughs> but I don't think oh French. I don't the. I don't think he's doing the fake and Jamaican accent there. No, I, I don't think he's doing. I, it at all. I, I think it comes maybe in certain parts of the song because he's emphasizing an excitement or a certain tone, but I don't think he's faking a Jamaican accent. I, you know, I don't think so either. And I've overall, I say day job second favorite suburban legends record. Uh, I really like it. It holds up, and I listened to the whole thing, and I was like, you know what, this is really good. Yes, I dig it. I de- it definitely it definitely doesn't really have any. Okay, I gotta say the only miss on this album is uh, "Girlfriend's Pretty." For me, like that's the only sort of like, eh, not really feeling it. Um, but other than that, I think it's a great record from start to finish. And uh, and since it came out the same year as Candy Coated Fury, which is a, a, an underrated Real Big Fish record that I also really enjoy. It's true. Um, I think that's like it was a good year for ska for for bands that had deviated far from ska for a period yes. of time and kind of swung back around on it. And, from, uh, from the OC. it was definitely it was definitely one of those years where it felt like I ever I feel since 2012, it's been like, come on, ska, 
Go Scott. Yeah. Get it back. Go Scott. Remember? We all liked it. It was fun. <laughs> Let's do it again. It was a good time. Wait, okay. We're on 11. Oh. Here we go. In 2013, drummer Derek Rock leaves. 12. Replaced by Edward Larson. Followed by an Derek EP the of- Derek the Rock Johnson? <laughs> uh, this was an EP of all Disney covers. Dreams aren't real, but these songs are. And this is when I saw them again, opening for the Resignators. I have to tell the story about this this show that I saw. Um, so Utopian Skank was a band from Edmonton that my band was contemporaries with. They were very good. They did their farewell show opening for the Resignators, which is a band from Australia that was touring through. Um, they Their show was packed. Everyone kind of came in to watch their final show. Uh, and they closed with a cover of One Step Beyond that had a round of covers from every member of the band or solos from every member of the band was one of the best like live performances of that song I've ever seen. And the, and it was at the pawn shop. How many people can fit in the pawn shop? Joey, uh, maybe 500. Yeah. Five, to seven, five, yeah. To seven. So there's there. 600 people high. packed in and I'd say half of them left. And then suburban legends took the stage <laughs> in front of like 250 people. And everybody, normally, the first time we saw them, it was like a, a crazy show. And this time it was like, you know, it's their smaller lineup. Like, I think it was two horns at the time. And uh, everybody was like pressed against the wall. Like, nobody was in the floor dancing. And they did a cover of Sweet Caroline. I think Brian sings Sweet Caroline. And he like jumps off the stage and he goes around and like tries to make everybody like dance with him and nobody was doing it. Mm. And he even, they even do the thing where they go, sweet Caroline. And then the band stops playing and then the whole crowd's supposed to go. Bah, bah, bah. And they do that crickets. No, <laughs> that's sad. That's sad. <laughs> and it's just terrible. No one, should all brutal. burn. <laughs> yeah. That no was one deserves brutal. that. No one deserves that. I was like, Oh no my one God. Suburban that. legends is getting killed in Edmonton. Yeah. The most bomb show I think I've ever seen them That's play, which sad. is too bad. Look, look, there, there's one rule we should all live by. When someone plays yeah. Sweet Caroline, you go, bah, bah, bah. It's Even like if you don't the want bare, to. The bare minimum of being a human being, right? And not being <laughs> a complete sociopath. Bone, man. You bah, bah, yeah. bah that band. <laughs> On behalf of Edmonton, I apologize for that. It's oh, so, uh, so tough. <laughs> <laughs> and so in 2015, let's close this off. The band brought on Chris Luca, who's on Twitter, uh, for uh, Trumpet and released the album Forever in the Friend Zone. A little bit more laid back Scott with some of the band's old glam rock styles and lyrics shifted towards friendship. I would say that's the overall yeah. theme of the album was around friendship. And uh, they brought back in. So Dallas Cruz was uh, uh, their keyboard player on the albums and he played on almost all their records. So he's back for this one. In the interest of time, we're just going to listen to the one song. Let's listen to the title track, Forever in the Friend Zone. It's not too bad. I I listened to this one twice when it came out. Didn't really revisit it until this pod. Um, Not quite as good as Day Job, but it's still good. And it's a little bit more like, again, following the lyrical kind of continuation, avoiding like kind of the girl talk. This is more like about the having friends, like, and in a more adult idea of it not just like the bros are going out to have a drink it's like we got some we got some buddies and it's hard to have friends as a gentle yes uh yeah and yeah overall i think i really love i do love this album i think uh worry on my mind is a very good 
good, good song. Uh, I almost queued that one up because it's uh, pretty popular on Spotify, I saw, but it uh, felt like it didn't really, like, it's acoustic, right? Yeah, so it's a little I don't mind Warrior. I like Warrior. Yeah, I, I don't mind Warrior. Fun song. I think, you know, there are a lot of good songs on here, and yes, I think it does run that gambit of friendship of, like, close friends, girlfriends, bros, there's sort of that, there, you know, with songs like Warrior and uh, Saturday Night, like, those songs have that sort of bro vibe but it is a little bit more mature in that these are like lifelong friends and stuff yeah. like that um you know so th- there's even songs about like friends on tour like having friends while you're on tour yes. mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah and i i what did you guys think of money i liked money yeah. oh i actually kind of liked money i liked money. i actually kind of liked money i thought it was kind of fun yeah that was uh that that took me by surprise very uh let's be friends era but it feels like they did a more uh mature version of it i guess yeah i felt <laughs> like it was a bit same samey on this album but yeah warrior and money actually stood out for me yeah. and brian was singing on money if i remember yeah i think they go I back can kind of tell he, i think they go back and forth with vince yeah. um yeah vince has the more like classic suburban legends voice and brian's got the more like billy voice yeah yeah uh, they do there are a couple songs where they put on the like, oh, 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 that's well, him that's well, brian well. clem singing yes yeah yeah he's uh he's got the pompadour and the sideburns he was aaron barrett's uh, roommate at one point that makes sense yeah <laughs> do you think they trimmed each other's chops they have tattoos of each other's lips on their chest <laughs> that's funny. that is fun <laughs> and funny uh yeah. so i have one quick question and i don't want it to derail the entire conversation it isn't so much about the uh, song but there's an issue that this song a song in here the forever in the friend zone mm-hmm. what do you think of this like i don't know i remember around the, the time that this song came out there was a lot of sort of social media pushback on this term of like a guy being put in the friend zone it was like right I yeah, I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> but I was like, I don't need to bring it up. I mean, it's but... 2015. That would have just yeah, been. I, I almost think that would have been like, don't he think... might as well have had a song called I Have a Vine. I think like that <laughs> there is like a commonality between like, I was nice to some chick for two months and she didn't have sex with me. Fuck that. Like, why was I nice to you? It's like, how about two people could like hang out and spend time together and like maybe something happens, maybe it doesn't. But like, that's fucking life. It's not a waste of time because yeah. you didn't fuck someone this fucked up yeah you can also just enjoy time together you can be friends with the opposite sex there's more gender is a spectrum let's get into that but yeah i think friend zone is like such bullshit and that's what it usually word to me that's usually what it means this song i think the tact they were going for (laughs) sorry the camera was open they were they were pining for a girl that didn't like them back right kind of the and that this song all the time and you could also like be nice you can be sad you could like have feelings for someone and spend a lot of time with them and like it's not reciprocated and that's sad but but, th- but this particular term usually do like yes i'm not getting laid. there's nothing wrong yeah. with that and you could also be like oh i have romantic feelings for you i don't think i can be friends with you like that doesn't yeah. work that's also a fine situation but yeah the term I guess has the been term co-opted. friend zone is yeah. a triggering word very co-opted by the wrong people. yes 100%. So, uh, but I will be fair to like, there could be different intentions behind yeah. that. So that's where like I stood when it started getting, wasn't related to the song at all when I, no, but like for me, it's like, yeah, it is that sort of classic 
you know, you see it in a lot of 80s movies where the nerdy totally the nerdy kid likes the popular girl, but the popular girl doesn't know he really exists. Or if she does, she she befriends him, but doesn't see him that way. And like, right. And like, so to like your point, yes, I have seen guys do, you know, take it, you know, be upset because they spent some amount of time with a email or someone they're dating treating it, someone nicely like i treated you nice have sex with me yeah. it's like it, well, well, <laughs> why the fuck did i treat you nice then for but i think i think from a different person i think in a different perspective it is more i think this song and more of what those 80s movies are talking about is feeling something for someone that they don't feel back and you just feel stuck you'd feel unreciprocated feelings of love is not a fun feeling for anyone and i can empathize with that i guess Mm. from like my perspective as a woman who like thought you made a friend because i have brothers i have like cis male heterosexual friends in my life and i like always have so for like to think you're like connecting with someone and making a friendship and then if you're not interested in them and they like fuck off like it's really hurtful from that perspective because you thought you made like a genuine friendship and then you realize all they wanted to do is fuck you and you're like that sucks that hurts. That's also hurtful. Yeah. 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 So, but like, people but are not respectful of each other's feelings. No. Generally. That's, <laughs> Anyways, that's, but yes, but unreciprocated dudes. feelings of love, <laughs> you know, when it goes one way, that's, that's sad. And I can empathize with that for anyone. Yeah. And I think that's more where this particular song falls. I agree. I didn't, that's why I didn't bring it up because I was like, that's not no. Where, that's but I not. Also, I don't believe that's where they were coming no, from on the song. I also but it is think, a triggering word. I think they were just using a term of the time too, totally. which is like, yeah, like I like I don't know. Go back to my Eight awesome joke where big I said difference. he has a song called "I Have a Vine." Well, that was an awesome joke they said. What? <laughs> and by the, I mean, but it wasn't so <laughs> the song uh, or uh, friend zone. I mean, I've known that term since I was in high school. Like friend zone is wasn't a modern term in 19- no no but it, it it rose to a certain degree in the late 2010s true it did. Uh, i guess that's and, when yeah. it became like the ugly version that you know yeah and, it just exploded to that point yes when you see some you know sort of douchebaggy guy whining like i went on two dates with her and she didn't have sex with me i'm like okay first of all the mere fact that you say that sentence at all i'm discounting <laughs> everything else you're going to say from this point on but judging by what we know about this band, I can't imagine that that's what they meant. Well, and that most of them are married. And that they're, yeah, they're also, like that's not. They're also putting one on, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, I don't think they're the. Yes. But it is something important to bring up if yeah. someone was to like see that word and assume that. I don't think that's where these guys are coming from. So I, uh, yeah, I love this album a lot. I'm, I don't know if it's going to be their last record you know i don't know the they're kind of still together they kind of did i'm sure you have a narration to tell us in a second but they kind of 2016 they they kind of took a break from touring and they disappeared and then they kind of you know kept playing. came back on social media a little bit yeah, yeah. Rec- very recently they came back on social very media. recently yeah, yeah. Which kind of showing them in studios, which makes you think oh, maybe maybe, maybe something, something happened in there, maybe a new EP, something. Because I, I know for like in the interview that I've already mentioned uh, with Vince on uh, I think episode four of on the upbeat, they basically talk about how Vince is not writing or recording any suburban legends music, and that's 2019. So um, right, well, and and we just saw him with Littlest Man Band. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, that guy. Did you did you see him on there playing guitar? I mean, no. Yeah, he was up there and he was I'm playing. Sure. Guitar, I mean, I saw the guy who was playing guitar, so I saw him. Yeah. He also played piano. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, he that played a little fun. keyboard, and Scott Coffinstein had like his own little ragtime ragtime yeah. piano that he played. Yeah. So the last thing I'll say on the band is, yeah, the, according to what we know, 2016 is when they hung up the trombones and trumpets for good. Uh, Brian Robertson is the only founding member in the whole career of the band that didn't leave and come back. Uh, and the one thing I'll shout them out for is in spite of everything we've said, they're super shiny, poppy. They play in Disney. Yeah. 100% independent. Wow. So they've always self-released all That's of their impressive. records. Yeah. That's very impressive, so, actually. Um, like, they, once in a while, they'll deal with a, like, I think they dealt with Rock Ridge for, like, an EP or something. Yes. Like, little offhand things yeah. here and there. But any of their major albums have always been self-released by them. So they take it pride upon themselves to be an exclusively independent band. So their DIY aesthetic is admirable, in my opinion. Yeah. So let's play a game. Ooh. All right, here we go. Hem. Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Marvel is the one for me, not Umbrella Academy. On Prime, they play the boys all day, and Max brought back hacks today. Your party down is nice, but Star Wars is worth the price. Disney Plus. <laughs> Joey? I don't think Party Down is on Disney Plus. No, not, neither is Umbrella good. Academy oh. or Hacks. Then why'd you say, oh, you're just saying shows? <laughs> I said, sure, Party Down is nice, but Star Wars is worth the oh. price. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Disney Plus. So the way this game works, it's called <laughs> Disney Cannon Fire. <laughs> in this game, Slim, Joey, and Men. Well, <laughs> Joey really this, killed this, you. Yeah, it's good. In this game, Slim, Joey, and Matt will go back and forth naming Pixar animated films. Sick. Excellent. That's it. That's all there is to just it. Pixar okay. films. We're just going to go around the room, okay. except for me, naming Pixar movies, okay. not Disney. Not Disney. Not shorts. Not Illumination. And not Dreamworks. the one coming out soon, Elemental. We can't say that oh, one. Okay, that's fine. But any of the 26 Pixar movies that have come 26. out wow. since the first one, which I won't say because it'll be a giveaway in yeah. 1996 till today. Uh, and then once you, it's like uh, Family Feud style, you get three wrong and you're out. Pixar, not Disney. Pixar, not Disney. Okay. No shorts. No shorts. All right. So our guest will go first. Matt, okay. name a Pixar movie. Toy Story. Nice. nice. The very yeah, first that, one. Yeah, yeah. Right off the bat. All right, Celine. A Bug's Life. The second one. Very Ooh. good. Joey Low Hanging Fruit. Oh, I, I, I'm now I, I'm worried about it. Uh, Ants. Ants is not a Pixar That's movie. That's a Dreamworks idiot. movie. <laughs> a Bug's yeah. Life. Woody Allen. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Matt, back to you. Toy Story 2. Yeah, I don't know what the Sick. hell you guys are doing. Well, I knew yeah. they I guess I should just take it. Okay, and yeah. I couldn't remember. Okay, yeah. Toy Story 3. Yeah, thank you. Okay, uh, good. I'll Joey. Just take it. Uh, dinosaur. What the hell? No, Dinosaur <laughs> is a Disney <laughs> movie. Disney? Damn, I don't know the difference. <laughs> dinosaur. Obviously. It's dinosaur. It's very close. Yeah, Matt, do you want to take it? Good Dinosaur. The Good Dinosaur ah, is a Pixar movie, yes. <laughs> this game sucks. Slint? Up. Up is a Pixar movie. That is correct. Joey. Oh, man. I suck at this game. Yeah, it's. I'm shocked. You're an animation fan, too. I don't know. I just kind of watch them. They're all sort of the same to me. But, like, I like them all. But um, Pixar. Fuck. I don't know. Uh, that stupid lamp. 
Yeah, that's right. No shorts, but, Joey. Nah, but no shorts. No uh, shorts. Oh, the, the Buzz Lightyear. We said Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. Oh, you mean the, the original, the, the Buzz Lightyear movie? Yeah, Lightyear. You know what? I'm going to... Okay, Lightyear. Yes, yeah, that's, that's the, the name one. of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Lightyear. Okay, Lightyear. thank you. We'll give it. <laughs> Not Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Which was pretty good. I like that movie. It's fun. Yeah. I like the sci-fi. Yeah. Matt, what about you? What do you got next? Uh, the Incredibles. Yes, oh, The Incredibles. Yeah. Brad Bird. The Incredibles 2. Correct. I have not seen that. Oh, it's good. I've not seen Incredibles <laughs> good. 2. That's one of two, oh, it's one of two uh, Pixar movies I have not seen. Good. Cars. Yes, yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah. Cars, yes. Matt, take it away. Cars 2. Correct. <laughs> Terrible. Worst Pixar movie yes. by a yeah. margin. Yeah. Is there a third Cars? Are you going to commit to it? Fuck. Brave. Yes, Brave is a oh, good Pixar movie about mothers and daughters. Planes. Planes is a Disney movie. You're out. God damn it. Out. That's right. They spun it off to a Disney property, not a Pixar movie. Yeah. Matt, Joey's done. Uh, Cars 3. Yes, Cars 3. Damn it. There is a Cars 3. Okay. This is fun. I'm really enjoying myself. No shorts. No shorts. So you can't say Presto or the Volcano. I believe fucking... Sarah Silverman, Wreck It Ralph. No, that's Disney, isn't it? Ah, or is it? Commit. Wreck It Ralph. Wreck It Ralph is Disney. Ah. Incorrect. <laughs> Damn it. Matt Vest. Uh, Pixar uh, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Correct. Lynn, take it away. Finding Dory. Correct. <laughs> Back to you, Matt. <laughs> uh, Monsters Inc. Monsters, Inc. Take it away, Celine. Uh Monsters, Inc. 2. Are you College committing? University or University. Monsters University. Yes, Monsters University. <laughs> Correct. Matt. Ratatouille. Rat- oh, I saw that movie last night or two days ago. Uh-huh. Fucking holds up. It's so good. Uh-huh. Ratatouille 2. Rats in the street. <laughs> no, I'm just. <laughs> Are you committing? I want to no. see that movie right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rats on the street. Pixar, 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 Pixar. We're 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 entering some interesting territory. Cars. Would you? What was the thing uh, like before? Incredibles. Pixar. It's actually like newer movies that you're missing out on. Uh Strange World. That is Disney. Shit. Shit. I'm two out. Two X's. Matt. Um. Gosh, what was I just thinking? Dang it. Set up. I know we're at now. We, we've 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 some interesting. We got a lot. Some Coco, Coco. That's what I was thinking. Coco, Coco. Oh, I haven't Pixar seen Coco. It's a good one. It's fun. Very fun. Uh, I doubt Sing is Pixar. There's no way. I've never seen Sing. Commit. I mean, I gotta say something. I don't have anything else. Pixar, Pixar, Pixar. You know. Yeah, I, I know. I'm looking at the list. <laughs> Illumination. Right Studios, I guess Pixar. Sing. I don't know. Sing is Illumination. So Damn. Yeah, okay. Because of all the I'm licensed out. I'm music, out. I'm if, out. I'm if out. there is licensed music, it is definitely yeah. Illumination. Okay, say the ones we missed. You want Matt? Actually, Matt, do you want to? Or if you can keep can going, you, can you keep going? Uh, you had none wrong. So Soul. <laughs> yep, Soul. Soul. We did oh, watch that. Oh gosh. Oh shit! Is the Inside Out? Yep. Pixar? Inside Out. Damn it! Inside Out. I was like. I'm glad you said that. I think okay, it's yeah. the one with the feelings and the feelings. The feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I forgot. That's what I was trying to think of inside out. Oh, my gosh. There's still five. Oh, my gosh. Oh, 
It's impressive. Got through 21. Yeah, we got through a lot. Oh, um, Moana. Moana's Disney. Fuck. <laughs> okay, can you just give us the rest? All right, Wally. 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 Oh, I didn't like that one. Toy Story. Toy, Toy Story Four. Oh. I didn't know. I forgot there was. A, I was wondering. I thought it crossed my mind. I felt like we covered that. I felt like we. I thought. Yeah. So Stop saying it. Onward. Onward. I like onward. Oh, oh, yeah. I can't. Onward I like that. I locked that deep into my like yeah. depths because it was too sad. Was very I sad. Yeah. My fucking eyes out. Luca, which I have not seen. That's the oh, that was good. I, I was we watched was like it. The, the sea monsters, yeah, the sea after, monster boys. Yeah, I haven't seen it. And and Canada, turning red. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Was, we all we watched all of the, we watched those. Yeah, I didn't see that. We did good. Twenty one out of, of twenty six Pixar movies. That was Crushed impressive. It. No help to Joey. Nope. I, Joey, I got two. Which ones did you get? <laughs> like, probably the fucking sequels, like Cars <laughs> Two, yeah, Toy Story, Lightyear. Yeah. <laughs> Lightyear, which he said wrong. Lightyear. <laughs> which he did which say he said wrong. wrong. He said the ninth one and the twelfth one. Those are <laughs> the ones that I got. <laughs> Jeez Louise, what a game. Uh, congratulations, yeah, Matt. Congratulations. You won. Congratulations. Yeah, I, kinda, uh, I mean, I feel like it's like I was a preschool teacher and I'm a foster parent, so I have lots of kids around my house. And so I feel like it, I had an unfair advantage. <laughs> I feel that I did pretty well considering I'm a, I have no children the, the, or children around me that much. The mix up, though, the Disney mix up, I thought was going to be the the big like thing because a lot of people misattribute like 3D animated Disney movies. Yeah, Pixar, like what well, we did. So. I yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would have. Yeah, sorry, Joey. I would have bet good money on Moana being a Pixar movie in my brain. <laughs> I, that's good. I next time I'll make more new metal uh, ones so that you could do a better job at. Or even like early '90s <laughs> cartoons. I would have known that. Oh long. yeah, I gotta do Nick. Rocco's Martin Live. Yeah, there yeah. we go. That type uh, of thing. Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, Johnny Bravo. The Animaniacs. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yes, Animaniacs. Yeah, yeah, we should yeah. just do an Animaniacs game every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Can you name all fifty states? That's the thing they did on the Animaniacs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Matt, thanks for coming on the pod. It's your time to plug. What do you got to plug? No problem. Of course, uh, On the Upbeat uh, is available wherever you listen to podcasts. We drop episodes. This is where it gets weird. Technically, I guess Tuesday night it pops up, but technically Wednesday. Like it's uh, midnight uh, Eastern Standard Time is when episodes. <laughs> uh, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, so new episodes pretty much every week. Um, and of course you can follow us on all social medias, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, basically at on the upbeat ska. And of course, if you've already been listening to, uh, on the upbeat, I just want to remind you, you can, uh, join our Patreon at, uh, patreon.com slash on the upbeat ska $4 a month gets you at least two bonus episodes a month. It also gets you discounts on merch and access to a private Facebook page where occasionally we have Zoom hangouts and stuff. And you can talk to us if that's something you're interested in. And merch. Yes, we do have merch. There's a link in our uh, in our Instagram account and uh, you can find our merch there. Check it out. It has the classic on the upbeat logo that you see when you listen to the podcast. It has our mascot Aaron, the upbeat llama. I like that llama. David Buist again. Yeah, I love yeah, that llama. Homie. 
Canada's own. Oh, yes. So anywhere you uh, can follow on the upbeat, make sure you do it. And uh, we appreciate you listening and uh, supporting our show. Yes. Yeah. We, yeah. we listen to On the Upbeat, and we especially listen to it when uh, we share guests. Yeah. Because <laughs> every once in a while, <laughs> me and you will have guests on yeah. around the same time. And I'm like, I should probably listen to what uh, yeah, Matt I and RJ too. talked about. So thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for everything you're doing. Uh, yeah, thanks for being fodder for research. Um, <laughs> but it's great. I mean, you know, uh, it's nice that we have all these, like, uh, Scott podcasts, and we're all supportive of each other. It's what makes this community amazing. Yes. And, uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's on it's record, awesome. off record, just fucking yeah, <laughs> just on record. Talking everyone. Otherwise, we're slinging poop. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Checkered Pass Pod, or send us an email at checkeredpasspod at gmail.com. Support the pod. We also have a Patreon, the Checkerhead Patreon at patreon.com/slash checkeredpast. Uh, we put up full length and unedited video and audio of every episode. And they're ad-free, and we also have merch discounts uh, as well. We started doing that recently, which will be fun. We're, our episodes are engineered by Joey Woo. and edited by Ariane, our Scott associate producer, is Chris Reeves of Scott Punk International. Woo. And until next time, I'm Rob. Celine. In the mortal words of suburban legends, cracking smiles even when we're sad. That's the way it goes on a Scott pod. <laughs>